Want to learn what sets LiveFlow apart from thousands of other QuickBooks Online apps? Do you want to learn how LiveFlow saves time for hundreds of accountants and bookkeepers? Want to learn how LiveFlow helps accountants and bookkeepers to use LiveFlow successfully in their firm? Stay tuned to hear more from our sponsor, LiveFlow, later in the episode. So instead of people like burning out in two years and just leaving, now you're going to be burned out after two years, but then you, you have these golden handcuffs you can't leave because <laughs> you've invested yet to cash out your vesting. Is it just going to like, like just shift when people burn out a little longer? Like, like people are going to hang around a little longer, but then if they're still burnt out, like it's almost worse. I, 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 it could turn out to be an unintended consequence. Right. It could turn out worse. Coming to you weekly from the OnPay Recording Studio. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Blake Oliver, CPA. And I'm David Leary, not a CPA. <laughs> but you know what, David? You do really good accounting. I just want to say I'm always impressed when I go into QuickBooks and I look at the work you've it's done. It's just behind. It's just behind. That's the problem. And actually, you know, actually, to be honest, you know why it gets behind is apps. Apps. Tell me more. Like, because you got to like, you connect an app and then you get, if you don't take the time to go configure and connect all the pipes to that app perfectly... So then you just kind of have stuff sitting in limbo. You're like, I know these are in the bank feed because I haven't configured that app to send the transactions over so the bank feed will match them. Like, it, it, I hear you. I hear yeah. you. Uh, you know, I deal with this with my, uh, like the Gusto integration into Zero. I've, I've got to make sure that that journal entry syncs in as a bill properly. And sometimes it doesn't. I got to go in and, you know, get that to sync. I mean, that's, that's the era we live in. But hey, it's and, better than making it manually, right? Yeah, on I, I have not on pay is great. Like once you set it, it's you just set it, forget it. So on pay is never the issue. But when you try out new apps, which I'm always constantly doing, which is probably the worst. I, I don't know. I'm, I have mixed opinions on this. Some piece of me says don't use anybody else's apps because and just or or outsource our bookkeeping. But I feel like I have to use these different apps and do the bookkeeping so you and I can stay oh, yeah. in the weeds. We have to understand how this stuff works, but. Yeah, we got to understand we, how no. frustrating it is, or how, it's constant pipe massaging. Constant. Yeah, we cannot outsource our own accounting and bookkeeping; otherwise, we'll lose touch with the tools. And yeah. you know, that's why I love running the payroll and reconciling the books. And last week, I went to a user conference for a payroll company. I went to Gusto Next, Gusto's annual get together for accountants. About a hundred. Accounting partners came to Gusto's headquarters in San Francisco. They have a beautiful office on, I believe it's Pier 70, over near the port on the Embarcadero. And it's in an old submarine uh, factory. So there's still cranes hanging from the ceiling that the submarines used to hang from. Uh, and they built the office out inside of this old structure. And they built that, right? If I remember correctly, like they just finished and just opened it, like right and then COVID hit. Yes. Right. Like yeah. Never got full attendance. And, and you know, it, it was a great place to have their user conference because a lot of people are still working from home. Uh, and, and actually, one of the one of the issues that uh, I discussed with some of the Gusto people there is this: uh, they're doing a return to the office policy at Gusto. They're going to start requiring employees to come in two days a week to that office, and they're getting a lot of resistance. And that is something that every business that's trying to do a return to office is seeing firms are seeing that a lot of people have moved away from the city don't want to commute an hour or more to get there it's not the easiest place to get to right you got to go across bridges you got to take public transit so it's a real challenge for them uh and it'll be interesting to see what happens because hey they're an hr business but the thing i wanted to talk to you about david the most interesting thing that i saw at gusto next was a new feature that they have released uh it is Get this, a spreadsheet view of your payroll. Yes, yes. In, yes, instead of going through running payroll like it's a type form or a wizard, you can actually switch views and you can see all the employees as rows and you can see all their different hours and stuff as, as an interactive spreadsheet embedded in the application. And the accountants and attendants loved it. And it reminded me of you, David. It made me think of you because you have said to me, I don't know if you said it on the show oh, I, I've or in person. I've told developers I've consulted with for years when they're like, what about this for the accounting UI? I'm like, the greatest accounting UI ever, 
is Excel. Make it be like Excel so they can hit the tab key, hit the enter yeah. key, type with their 10 key and just burn through it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's great to see Gusto listening to their accounting partners and building that. Every app should have a spreadsheet view. You can have that simplified view for the non-spreadsheet users. And you can have the spreadsheet view for the people who need to see all that data in one place. Spreadsheets are powerful. They're great. There's a reason that they are the killer app of computers and and still are. So, um, and, and I'm glad you mentioned Typeform because I think that's the the epitome of what accountants don't want. Right. Here's one field, and then you don't get to give it to them like a tax form. Show show an accountant all the fields at once on one screen. They'll fill them in. It's their nature. They'll fill them in. Yeah. <laughs> just just get but but let them see the field that's coming up next. <laughs> like don't like uh, it's it's it, it just. It's great to see like, it goes against all the sexy one screen modern UIs, but it's super efficient when you can just yeah. hit tab and go to the next field. And that's what we want. And you know what's going to end up making this all work is AI. Uh, I did a webinar on Tuesday where I interviewed Jason Stats all about AI and productivity for accountants. And he said something that stuck with me. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was something like, we have reached peak UX, peak UI, peak user interface. There will never be more bells and whistles in a user interface than there is today. And that's because conversational AI, chatbots, are going to end up eliminating a lot of the user interface because we'll simply be able to tell the bot what we want it to do. And then it'll go and put all that into the database, into that spreadsheet, that table view for us. So users who are not needing to access the spreadsheet type of view or the database directly will simply chat with a bot that will do it for them. And that's going to solve a lot of problems. Well, I would, yesterday, I was lazy. We were at a conference, and we got a, a list of names and email addresses, but our CRM needs first name and last name in separate fields. And I know there's a formula in Excel we could have done to separate the first name and last name, but it was easier just to give it to ChatGPT and say, give it back. So when that actually is in Excel, you're right. It eliminates a bunch of UI. I just tell Excel, make this two columns, first name, last name. And we have a comment from a viewer on our YouTube live stream. Adam says, is there a reason why you guys simp for ChatGPT so much? There it is. Yes. Um, I'll tell you, Adam, the reason I simp for ChatGPT is that I believe it is a truly transformative technology. I have been following... AI in this profession for 10 years or more, and it's been total bullshit up until now. Most of it has been utter marketing bullshit. And I can say that with authority as somebody who spent four years working in marketing for different software companies. <laughs> it's total bullshit. Chat GPT, generative AI is the real deal. Uh, and I did another experiment this week to validate that. On Wednesday, I gave a presentation to the San Antonio chapter of the Institute of Management Accountants all about AI and accounting and how I believe AI will save accounting. And in preparation for that presentation, I thought, hmm, I wonder if anyone has tested ChatGPT on the CMA exam, the Certified Management Accountant exam. I wanted to impress my uh, IMA members who, you know, if you're, a, if you're a Certified Management Accountant, you've passed that exam. And so uh, I found a bunch of sample questions and I put five of those sample questions, the first five I found on the IMA website, into ChatGPT. It's multiple choice. It got five out of five. Five out of five. And I'm running some more experiments with more questions. It's nailing them. Uh, and not only is it getting the answer right, but it's providing a detailed explanation of how it got to the answer, along with calculations. It's incredible. So this technology is going to change our lives very rapidly. It's going to end up doing the job uh, or performing certain functions that are currently being done by humans. And you're going to interact with a bot that will very much seem like an accounts payable specialist or a payroll specialist um, or any of these other kind of lower level jobs that require us to process data and manipulate data in systems. Uh, that is going to come within five to 10 years. It's going to completely change how, how we work. Our colleagues will be bots, many hey. of them. And, and we're not full-blown simps for it. I am equally as frustrated with ChatGPT as I am. And I think I'm more frustrated with it than I am happy with it because I see the potential and it just, it's just not, it's 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 so close. It's, it's like so right close. there at the edge. And the way I, uh, do you own a 3D printer, Blake? 
Um, so my son goes to a coding academy, and one of the rewards they can earn, they, they earn points for completing you know, coding assignments. If you get a lot of points, you can do a 3D printer thing. And so they have 3D printers in the, in the dojo. Yeah. And, and you can so – I've seen them in action. Okay. So, so I have a 3D printer. Because oh. my kid wants a 3D printer. He got a 3D printer. And, of course, like most things, what do things you make with in the it? garage. And they're not used anymore. But I installed uh, air conditioning to my recording studio. So, I'm, as you can see, it's a nice 76 degrees in here. It's not. You're not sweating, David. I'm not impressed. Sweating. So, but I had to connect basically two pieces of, of the fan to a vent through my wall. Uh-huh. And I was trying to figure out what these different ways to do it. There was two different sizes. Like, you know what? I bet you I could 3D print this. And, yes, I did 3D print it after – 300 messed up prints. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the potential's there. And it's like, this is so great. I was able to print it eventually by myself, but it took like 300 messed up prints. Like the temperature was too hot, too low. The string went off. You know, the, the filament got jammed in the thing. Like all, there's so many points of failure. And I think it's kind of that same thing. Like it's right there. But at the same time, I'm like, this is too much work. This is so annoying. Because I actually have to print a second one now. And I haven't started it because I just know, like, how much of a nightmare it is to get yeah. it to actually print successfully. Well, you know, you know, these things take time. I mean, we got to remember, chat GPT, generative AI, it's less than a year out in the world. And it can take yeah. years for... Look, I printed this. <laughs> our, our live stream viewers can see that David has printed some sort of funnel-looking thing that I guess that's an air... It's duct. pretty big. I put my whole arm through it. It's, yeah, it's I'm, pretty big. I'm impressed. So it took you several tries to get that right. So, How much was the printer, about. by the way? I think you can get them on Amazon. It's just like chat GPT. 20 bucks a month, you can get a printer for like 100 bucks, 112 bucks, $129. It's nothing. <laughs> Amazing. Well, David, that's my story about being in San Francisco at Gusto Next. Cool features. Oh, I should mention that I got an interview with Liz Wilkie, the chief economist at Gusto. And we talked all about rising interest rates. We talked about her new podcast, Gustonomics, which everyone should check out. I'm going to put that in the feed as a bonus episode. So do check that out and give it a listen when it's available. Uh, it's it's really good. Liz is brilliant. And Gusto is doing some really cool stuff with their research. This episode of The Accounting Podcast is sponsored by LiveFlow. If you're really a busybody, your title would read CPB, a Certified Public Busybody. You're a CFO, a controller, a CPA, and yet you burn so much time on the busy work compiling reports, stuck in the land of CPB. Well, LiveFlow's mission is to get you out of there. It's the fastest way to connect your QuickBooks Online to Google Sheets. It's designed to eliminate your extra busy work by automating and scaling your client reporting with live hourly updates. Once you cross the border, some strange and wonderful things start to happen. You stop exporting reports from QBO. You no longer customize your sheets over and over again. Your central nervous system forgets what it feels like to deal with stale data, and you enter a state of nirvana. For your one-way ticket out of CPB land and 20% off your first three months, head over to accountingpodcast.promo slash liveflow. That is accountingpodcast.promo forward slash L-I-V-E-F-L-O-W. Welcome back to CPA land. Well, my top story for this week is a study by the National Association of Tax Professionals, the NATP, that found that tax pros have hiked their fees by more than 20%. The 2023 fee study found that the average cost for a new client in 2023 was $218 versus $174 in 2001 an increase of just about 23%, said Tom Osabin, Director of Tax Content and Government Relations at NATP. I, I'm glad you brought this because I think I saw this on Twitter, on tax Twitter. And then trying to get stuff into our workflow now with Twitter and their APIs is like so bad. So I never actually, I go in today and my article for about this wasn't here. So I'm glad you brought this. But don't they break it down like each return per state of how much they charge? So- I'm just looking at the summary of the study in Accounting Today. I have requested a media copy of the full study so that we can dig into this more next week. Okay, great. Yeah. But um, the thing that kind of shocked me when I read this is just how low that average fee seems to me. $218 for an 
a tax return. Now I'm assuming this is an average of all tax returns. So there's a huge weight weighting towards individuals. And we know that individual returns are less than business returns, but like, even if this is just for individual returns, it's like not a lot of money. It costs, how much does it cost to file your taxes with TurboTax? Well, we paid 1500 bucks. And well, that, I'm seeing we could have got it done for maybe 600 Blake. I saw on the Twitter. Well, that's why I'm upset. Well, like, so actually it's funny. I just saw a, a coupon code come through from Intuit for that full service business thing we bought at full price. I think it was $500 off. They discount it. So I want everyone who heard that episode to know that 1500 is the list price. Intuit has been discounting it to as much as 750 for a business return. But even then, right, this is way lower than that. Yeah. And I know that there's a chronic problem in our profession of tax professionals undercharging for their work. And I'm just curious, like on the individual side, are we undercharging? I mean, it seems like it's very low and we, we, could, be, we could be doing a lot better. Um, so anyway, I want to dig into this. Right. Obviously, it depends on where you are, what kind of clientele you serve. If you're in a small town and you're serving, you know, middle class, main street, average Americans, you're not going to be able to charge a lot of money for returns. Right. The people who are making, you know, under six figures, right? it's just not possible. Um, and I, I would love to see a breakdown. So I've asked to see that report. There are some other insights from the overview that I wanted to share. Unbilling or never getting paid for your work. 6% of work goes unbilled. So usually it's tax strategies and IRS slash state correspondence. It's work that tax pros do, and then they never bill for it. Those are the two top areas. Almost two-thirds of practitioners' gross revenue is earned during tax season, with another 12% coming during the extended tax season. So during tax season, right, that time, Two-thirds of revenue is earned during that time. That, to me, indicates that there's an opportunity to spread this out over the year. Put your clients on subscriptions. Get them paying you every quarter or at least twice a year. Spread the income out so you don't have this feast and famine type thing going on. And then here's a chart and, and on then, the then screen. spread the workout, right? Yeah, it's exactly. Like, hey, we, we just file, file an extension for everybody automatically and you just start pumping out the returns. Yeah, and then, now I know clients push back on that. They want to get their return done. But I've also heard from tax pros who successfully have made this the default in their firm where you want to work with me, I'm going to extend everyone, and then we're going to get you done before the extended deadline. Um, here's a chart on the screen. The headline is before, during, or after when clients pay to have their taxes prepared. When do clients pay? In an ideal world, Every client should pay before you file the return, but that does not happen. Only 4% of clients paid beforehand or on retainer, just 4%. 59%, so you know, more than half, paid on completion, but before filing. Okay, that's second best, right? You finish the return, but before you file, that client has got to pay. And that's how TurboTax does it. They will not file your return until you pay. And we we yeah. got that message from our preparer, right? Now, 37% of clients are still paying after they after the filing's done. So that means the tax pro is filing the return and sending a bill to the client and hoping that they pay. That makes no sense to me from a business perspective. Why would anyone run a business that way? Do you as a tax pro do that with everything that that you buy if if you if you if you place an order for furniture you're at least putting down a substantial deposit before it gets delivered you're not paying after they delivered at the end of the day delivered. somebody could still come and take the furniture or repo the car but like <laughs> once the return's filed like you have no recourse over that other than not taking them as a client yeah so uh i i thought those were good insights so, so basically going back to the coupon you got yeah. So you said Intuit sent a five hundred dollars coupon. Yeah. Is that some? Is that a coupon like, hey, if we use it, if we pay for next year, we get five hundred dollars off. If we if we book now, is that one of those it, type of coupons? It was a if we file by the end of the month. So, folks who are maybe waiting for that October deadline, right, it's incentivizing okay. people to 
get the work in. Get it done now. And, yeah, get it done now so that it's not all compressed for the TurboTax people in September, in October. Okay. And firms could do the same thing. You could offer a discount to your clients who get you their documents sooner rather than later. So if you're really speedy, get me your documents in January, get me everything you need, you know, you get you get a significant discount. And I think discounts work really well as opposed to penalties, but I've seen both being used yeah. but incentivize people to save money. Otherwise, you know, what what incentive do they have really to get the documents to you? And that's the problem that everyone complains about. My clients don't get me the documents in time. That's why I have this workload compression. I mean, there's things we could be doing to incentivize them. Huh. If you ask me. ChatGPT is going to solve that problem, getting the documents. It can go bug them for us, right? That's the dream. This episode of the Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Arrow. By giving you the tools you need to take your firm's knowledge capital, your processes, and your procedures integrated together into tasks, Arrow will make your firm more efficient, scalable, profitable, and give you the peace of mind that client work won't slip through the cracks. Arrow lets you define, organize, track, and advise. You can define your services with over 160 ready-to-go bookkeeping and accounting checklists that can be turned into client tasks at a click of a button. You can easily organize tasks team resources, and client data like usernames, passwords, documents, and tax ID numbers. With automatic time tracking built into every task, Arrow gives you instant insights into the status of all open work in the firm, and your staff never has to remember to start or stop any timers. Arrow even has what you need to systemize your advisory services, including a framework to create an advisory-based recurring revenue stream for your firm. Arrow has direct integrations with Office 365, QuickBooks Online, QuickBooks Time, and thousands of other apps via their Zapier integration. And if that isn't enough, you can even create your own integration using Arrow's open API. Arrow also provides a free training and certification plan to you and your staff, including unlimited free one-on-one -on -one support sessions. Arrow is currently offering all new accounts, white glove onboarding that usually costs $2,000 for free. To take advantage of this offer before the end of 2023, head over to accountingpodcast.promo slash Arrow. That is accountingpodcast.promo forward slash A-E-R-O. What else you got, David? So we, we just talked about taxes. Did you see the, uh, this is in Phoenix, the IRS agent who accidentally killed the other IRS agent at the gun I, range, the shooting range? I saw that this morning. I couldn't believe this when I saw it. It was here in Phoenix. Yep. It was during a routine interagency exercise at a federal prison's gun range. The agent was taken to a nearby medical center but did not survive the name of the agent has not been released, and the circumstances surrounding the shooting are under investigation by the FBI's Phoenix field office. No other injuries were reported. And the 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 bigger issue with this is that just the optics, right? Because then all all the eighty seven thousand memes about eighty seven thousand IRS agents with guns coming to your door, and then this is the headline: Look, yeah. they really do have guns, and they're shooting each other. Like, like it just it's just not a good look for the IRS to have this unfortunate accident, unfortunate timing. Um, and I think the one website I saw, there was a link to a, an officer down memorial page. There's only been like four or five deaths ever in the history of the IRS agents. Oh, due to like like due, due due to this three sort of, of them thing. were car accidents, I think. Wow. Like an, an active duty. So this might what be a terrible kind of, situation. Like, yeah. It, it's just not in the headline, it just doesn't help the you know, for all the people that are paranoid about the IRS having guns, this sure reinforces yeah. those those arguments, unfortunately. It's just bad, bad. It's a shame. Well, speaking of bad optics, did you see that Sam Bankman-Fried has been sent to jail? Yeah. A judge revoked his bail, so he was under house arrest. This is the founder of FTX, who was put under house arrest and is under criminal in investigation. Well, he's been charged criminally for running a massive fraud on this on his cryptocurrency exchange and he was apparently trying to influence witnesses including by giving documents to reporters he gave documents to reporters that made his ex-girlfriend look bad who was also an executive at ftx and yeah you do that and the judge is not going to look kindly upon you and sent him to federal 
jail. It's good. Yeah. But at some level, like, he's just clueless. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. It, it, it. And and what's amazing is, like, how can somebody who operated the way he did just give people money like this? It, it's I, I guess, like, Americans just get blinded by greed mm-hmm. Like at the end of the day. And it's an opportunity to get rich, and people just go for it. I saw another stat this week that stuck out to me. 60% of accountants rate their job fulfillment at C or lower. This was discovered in a survey commissioned by Flowcast, my former employer. The study revealed that many accountants lack fulfillment in their jobs and desire financial transformation in their organizations. It was conducted in partnership with the University of Georgia Consumer Analytics Program and gathered insights from 284 accounting and finance professionals. Key findings include that 42% of accountants are not completely confident in their work, 60% rate their fulfillment in their job as a C or lower, and they want to be more strategic partners and have a greater impact on their organizations. They want to have better technology. And the survey also highlighted the need for financial transformation in companies with 70% of accountants stating their company is in strong need of it. I think that headline though, all right, so flip this around. So that means 40% of accountants have satisfaction B or higher. Right. So, which I think, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like in a bell curve. Like this feels like it's just an average survey. Like I don't know if it's if it's really as bad as maybe the headline feels like, like it's bad. It's, I mean, well, obviously there's room for improvement. Yeah, I guess if, it's slightly bad. I don't know. I, I just feel like I would hope that most accountants would be happy in their jobs, right? I, I, this we want that. Yes. Yeah. This doesn't surprise me based on reading online forums like Reddit, which yeah. you know that the happy accountant is a rare accountant on Reddit, but. I always thought that was an anomaly, that it was just an unhappy people on these forums. But it seems like there's actually quite a few accountants who are, you know, not happy in their jobs. Uh, but, you know, maybe that's also just like a personality thing. Like, like uh, maybe a C isn't that bad. I don't know. We need to investigate it more. What else? Do you want to talk about the BDO, stock purchase, stock options thing? Yeah, that was big news. So... BDO, top 10 accounting firm BDO is, they've borrowed $1.3 billion from Apollo Global Management, and they're going to use that money to create an employee stock ownership plan. So I guess- It's for BDO US. Right. So it's about 10,000 participating employees. Apparently the US has about 11,000 employees, so somewhere, you know, somewhere in there. Now BDO overall has 111,000 employees. So this is just the US- division mm. of BDO. So they're using the money and this follows BDO converting to a corporation. So <laughs> like BDO is no longer a partnership. They are converting to a corporation and they're using this money to buy out a good chunk of the partner equity. So partners are getting paid out now and they're creating this employee stock option plan. And I believe employees will earn 10% of their salary each year in terms of stock options. So it wasn't clear to me if this is every employee or just some. Uh, I think that's it's, why I went and looked up the number of employees is because when I said only 10,000 participating, that doesn't make any sense. And then I went and looked, I was like, oh, there's about 11,000. So it sounds like maybe everybody knew us. That's yeah, which close. So, so this is really, this is really interesting. Think about that. Like you start work at BDO and you are earning equity in the form of options that you can buy into every year. You don't have to wait to be a partner. You don't have to go to a tech company. And you've talked about this. Yeah. Like the, the partnership model, it's different. But I actually was thinking about this a lot. I mean, you've worked for startups. I've worked for startups. Usually what goes along with these options? A cliff. Yes. Right. And a lot of times, sometimes it's three years, sometimes it's four years. You've got to work four years before you actually get these options, right? Or before you vest in these options. Right. And I was kind of thinking about this. So what if these the, the, these firms switch to this options model? They start giving people options, but you have a four-year cliff. You, you can't even earn them for three years or four years. So instead of people like burning out in two years and just leaving. Now you're going to be burned out after two years, but then you you have these golden handcuffs you can't leave because <laughs> you've invested yet to cash out your vesting. Is it just going to like 
like just shift when people burn out a little long. Like, like people are going to hang around a little longer, but then if they're still burnt out, like it's almost worse. I, 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 it could turn out to be an unintended consequence. Right. It could turn out worse. It could be abuse. I it think could, that's fair. Yeah. I would hope that they wouldn't have a cliff that long. Uh, my my cliff in the tech companies I worked for was a year. So I had to work for at least a year to get any, and then they vested yeah. every month. A lot of people do every, each month. Over, yeah. over the course of four or five years that I was granted that block of stock options. Now, the problem in a lot of tech companies is that the employees don't exercise their options as they earn them. And so they end up after four or five years with a large amount of options that becomes kind of pricey to purchase, even at the reduced price that you were given. Well, accountants won't make this mistake. They understand tax law and, and these types of things, correct? So that's what happened in my first job is I didn't exercise until I left. And then I had to put a lot of cash on the table to buy my options, to buy my stock. And in the next job I had, I exercised every month. When I got the notification that I'd vested, I would immediately go and exercise and pay the money. So I hope people do that. If they don't, then this is not going to help them. I've seen yeah, so it's just, yeah. it, 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 but but in but spirit, I'm, it's better. It's it's, yeah. it's a step in the right direction. It's but I want to say people like, have to be I, careful about the options. This is what we've been talking about. This is great. Yeah. Like if this works out and employees truly do, do get equity now and can earn it, like this will give BDO, I think, a big advantage over other firms that are saying, oh, yeah, you can make partner and then, you know, then you get equity, but that's like 10, 15 years down the road. Like BDO saying, no, no, you can start earning equity right now. It's the way to go. We want to compete. So we'll see if other firms do this too. I mean, it's the, the partnership model could be on its way out below the big four. Yeah, or there's a lot, you know, a lot people are going to have that yeah. sweet, that C-suite style model, right? So yeah. I think it's my turn. What do I got? I got, we got so much to talk about this week. Um, because last week we talked with Jen Kreider of the Pennsylvania Institute of CPAs and we had a great time talking with her, but we didn't cover our regular news. Well, well could we review for a second that, that? Yeah, sure. All right, so, so on one it? of the big things we talked about last week was the, the announcement from NASBA and AICPA and their ELE program, the Experience Learn Earn, the partnership with Tulane, right? So you can work at a firm, take classes online at a reduced cost, like 150. Well, I don't know if they have a price, but I think they're trying to keep it under five thousand dollars. Yeah, to get your fifth year. So, so I'm I'm a little confused on this because, like, like make sure my interpretation of the last three, four, five years is correct. They've continually hammered both NASBA and AICPA that they have no data about the 150-hour rule being an issue. And I think they've always said, we survey students. It's not a barrier. Over and over again, that has been the message we've seen. Is this correct observation by me? Say that again. Oh, like, over the last few years, the messaging we've gotten from NASBA and AICPA is the 150-hour rule is not a barrier. And they, we don't, we have, we talk to students. We have no survey data. It's not a barrier. Yeah. The it's students, the students are not saying it's a barrier. Yes. They, they would tell us that or right. tell us the public that. Right. So if that's true, why would they implement this program unless they have some data telling them it's something else now? Because I'm sure this didn't spin up in the last three weeks. Like this probably took two years of planning to roll out. Yeah. So, well, we so, all know so, it's a barrier. The, the data is very clear that it's a barrier. Um, Illinois did the study. There was another study that was done. Just ask people. Was the was the extra 30 hours a barrier to becoming a CPA? Yes. I think what the ASCPA is arguing is that, oh, they would do it anyway. Right? Like if you take away the extra 30, it's not going to change the pipeline, is what they're saying. I I think it would make a big yeah. difference. Uh, but you know, that's a hypothetical, right? Can't test that necessarily. All right, so so maybe they have the data. Maybe they have the data. But but to me, this is like a half measure, right? We know that the thirty hours does not add value. We know it doesn't make better CPAs. All the evidence says this. All the studies say this. So why go halfway and create this like reduced cost, you know, learn while you earn program? Which, by the way, is going to just make it harder to be a first year associate because now on top of working the hours you got to work in your first year, you got to take classes. Like, like 
to me, this actually compounds the work-life balance problem. It's going to make work-life balance harder for these kids right out of school. It would be easier to go get the master's and then go work, right, from a work-life balance perspective. And it looks like uh, Witham worked with Seton Hall University, and they're doing something similar. Yeah. With this now as well, so a lot of firms are trying trying this out this uh, it, apprenticeship program. To me, we need massive change. We need we need to make immediate, significant changes now to create a pathway that doesn't require five years of education. If we aren't willing to do that, we're not going to make a dent in the problem because the problem is we're we're we have a gap of tens of thousands of accountants every year. So we can solve some of that with AI. But we also need to solve it with bodies. And like this is just, you know, it's a half measure. Um, something I saw, just if we can pivot to tech news yeah, uh, and AI, since we're AI simps, um, <laughs> something that I saw that I really liked in real life was uh, I was going through Amazon looking for something to buy. And at the top of the review section, there was a summary ex of, of the reviews. Saying like, in general, people agree. I was looking for a swim cap. I've gotten into swimming recently. You know, the heat, Arizona. Do I have to say more? And, you know, I want to go a little faster in the water, right? I'm starting to figure this thing out. So I'm looking for a swim cap, but I have a giant head, you know? Like my, it's just, it's way too big. Like normal hats don't fit me. I have to buy I special hats. I could 3D print you a swim cap, I yeah. bet. <laughs> so... You know, I'm looking at the reviews and it said uh, on this hat that I had ordered previously, I was looking to return it. It said actually that like people like the quality, they like the comfort, but not the size. Like there's, so that indicated to me, oh, if I'd, if I'd seen this before, this brand new feature before, I would have realized that it was going to be too small. And so anyway, that's AI, AI in action is Amazon is now looking through all the hundreds or thousands of reviews for a product and summarizing the feedback for you. So you don't have to go read all the reviews. That's a time saver because basically what I do, I, I click on the five stars and peek at those. Then I go down to the one stars and I peek at those. And then my brain, I'm probably summarizing, you know, coming up to a conclusion. So yeah. yeah, this would be a time saver. This episode of the Cloud Accounting Podcast is sponsored by Keeper. By combining client communications, file review, reporting, and your task management, Keeper has everything you need to run your bookkeeping or cast practice. Keeper is an all-in-one app that allows you, your team, and your clients to easily collaborate to make your monthly close as efficient as possible. Starting with a beautiful custom-branded client portal optimized for bookkeeping work, your client can answer questions you have about uncategorized transactions, allowing you to categorize and automatically post them to QuickBooks Online correctly, all without ever leaving Keeper. Via the month-end file review feature to surface transactions that may not be posted correctly, and by providing the perfect customized report that each client may need, Keeper can highlight the value that your firm provides clients. Keeper's built-in task management ensures nothing falls through the cracks, and it includes time tracking so you can see where you and your team spends their time. With Keeper's 1099 manager, you can easily review each client's list of vendors, email address, physical address, tax ID, and the amount paid, and from the same screen, even request W9s for any vendors that you're missing information for. No more jumping between screens or browser tabs. Keeper has a very affordable and clear pricing model that starts at only $8 a month. To learn more about why thousands of bookkeepers and accountants trust Keeper to manage their month-end close and to get 20% off your first three months by using code CAP20, head over to cloudaccountingpodcast.promo slash keeper. That is cloudaccountingpodcast.promo forward slash K-E-E-P-E-R. Now, David, I think you had some news about the new CEO of PayPal. Yes. So let me uh, change screens here a little bit. So, yeah. So the news is about that. The big headline, and it was in my news feed 300 times, 500 times. It just was in so many times. Uh, essentially, Alex Chris, who he has been a 20-year veteran of Intuit. He essentially, I want to say since 2017... He's been leading the QuickBooks side, the small business division, whatever, you know, a year and a half, they rename whatever that division is. But let's, it's the non-TurboTax side of the business, right? Mm -hmm. He uh, drove the MailChimp acquisition, et cetera. He has now uh, been announced he's going to be the new CEO of PayPal. And so when I saw that headline, I was like, wait a minute, this is history repeating itself. 
So let me, uh, I'm going to share something here. Um, and, and I'm going to tie some stuff together with some people before I share the screen. So a couple of different people. So Bill Campbell was an Intuit CEO from 94 to 1998, right? He was one of the first CEOs. Uh, and then he returned to be a temp CEO in 1999, right before Steve Bennett came, who was there until 2007. Then Brad Smith, the, the, that was the Brad Smith era, 2007 on. But in there, you had Bill Harris. So Bill Harris was the president of Chipsoft right? 1999 to 1994. But then Intuit went public, merged in with Intuit. That's TurboTax. So, so you went through this merger. Then he became the executive vice president and then eventually CEO between 93 and 99. And then he's, he basically started the launch of Quicken.com and the move to online services and internet services, right? He started that um, thing. Well, then the other player in this whole story is Elon Musk. You know, the guy who just bought Twitter? <laughs> and changed the name to X.com. Yeah, so, I think I've heard of him before. So look at this headline. X.com names former Intuit Brass at CEO. So this headline literally is from 1999. <laughs> CNET. So, so Elon, Elon Musk renamed Twitter to X, which is this old startup that he had. Is that yes. what we're talking about? That's what we're talking about. So look, if we kind of go, so I'm going to go back to like 1999. I was like a lowly tech support employee. And I remember getting invited to one of those like CEO skip level lunches where you get to like eat lunch with the CEO. And I remember sitting, distinctly remember sitting in the room with Bill Harris. And he was talking about this XPay thing and that he was getting involved or Intuit was getting involved or something like that, right? So, so back to this article, essentially this article is naming Bill Harris as joining X.com as its CEO. He's going to replace Elon Musk, who's the founder as a CEO, and then Elon Musk will stay on as chairman and oversee the product development. And so essentially, Bill Harris was the founding CEO of X.com in 1999. Okay, so an Intuit executive was the CEO of X.com. Which became PayPal. Which merged with PayPal because guess who had experience merging companies? Bill Harris, who did the merger of TurboTax into Intuit. Right? So X.com launched, this is crazy, December 7th of 1999 with him as a CEO. And within two months, X.com attracted 200,000 signups. Wow. Right? And so in my brain, I've always had this tie, you know, to X.com and to it. So over here, you have X.com. And then you have this other company called Confinity, which had a product called PayPal that lets you take Palm Pilots. Remember Palm Pilots? Yes. Okay. And you could my send dad money had, through My dad through had infra, a Palm Pilot. Through the infrared port. That was PayPal. You could send money through the infrared port. Oh. So Elon Musk figured out like sending money in email is the way to go. Screw this infrared port stuff. So the crazy thing is both companies were in the same business. They're the same office building together. Both these companies. And it was it was dot com 1.0 days. So both companies like, hey Blake, I'll pay you $20 if you join my app. And then anybody of your friends that join, I'll pay you another $10. So both companies were just bleeding money. So then in March of 2020, so you're thinking December of 1999 to March of 2020, you're going four months later, these two companies merged together. And the new company is called X.com. And so Bill Harris did all the work to merge the two companies together. And then Musk, who handpicked Bill Harris to come to X.com, ousted him and takes over the CEO role himself because he's now the biggest shareholder. Well, but then here's the great part. In typical Elon Musk drama, right? In September 20, September of 2000, Elon Musk goes to Australia for his honeymoon. The X.com board voted to change the CEO from Elon Musk to Peter Thiel, which everybody knows who Peter Thiel is, part of mm -hmm. that, you know, very politically motivated these days. He's the co-founder of Confinity. So in June 2001, X.com was officially renamed to PayPal. And wow. So, so deep relationships of these two companies. And I always thought, like some part of me thought Intuit could have gobbled up PayPal right, at one time. Yeah. So Scott Cook, the founder of Intuit, was on the board of PayPal, eBay, eBay PayPal from 1998 to 2015. And then when those two companies split. So when they split, um, so this goes back to Bill Campbell. Bill Campbell, who was the two-time CEO of Intuit, he, he mentored Steve Jobs. He mentored uh, all the Google guys. Like he just was really involved in Silicon Valley. He was mentoring the former CEO of eBay, who uh, named PayPal's current CEO. And so John Donahue, who was mentored by Bill Campbell, had a say in naming Shulman's replacement this week. So it's like full circle. This whole Intuit train from this headline leads us to Alex Chris being named the VPP, VP now.
It's all connected. It's all tied. Wow. So that's all the history. Thank you for that history lesson, David. That was, that's fantastic. Um, so, so I don't know if people know about Alex Chris. So I think we talked about it before. He did all the QuickBooks business side of the business. Um, it looks like they uh, searched, talked to 20 investors, uh, searched for a bunch of different people, and he was the final finalist from a pool of nine candidates. And that was, uh, that's it. And now uh, Mariana Tessel is going to take over the small business self-employed group at Intuit. I think my only two cents on this is it makes you wonder what he's going to do there. <laughs> and and my, my gut is just like other companies that had Intuit executives go to them, e.g. LegalZoom, what did they do? They rolled out accounting and bookkeeping services. Yeah, you think that's what PayPal might do? I, just, I don't know. Who So uh, who is using... I know PayPal is enormous, and they've they've got Venmo, but like, when was the last time you used PayPal, David? I use it anytime I'm on a site that I know I'm never going to do business with again, and it, it's not that they're sketchy, but like I don't know. So I, if they have a PayPal button, I'll pay with PayPal to put that level of separation of my credit card mm. and my identity. But that's usually when I use PayPal for situations like this. But mostly it's Venmo these days. Yeah, I feel like that's the big area of growth for them. I mean, I never see anyone using PayPal dongles, you know, or PayPal. They've got like a PayPal point of sale. I've never seen that in the wild yeah. ever. Those, those so, and, and it could be because like, I know Alex Chris, he, you know, he was very big on self-employed, maybe overly zealous about it, possibly um, add into it, the QuickBooks self-employed. But in the last two years, you know, the QuickBooks group launched their own Venmo, PayPal, small businessy thing, kind of in a way like reminds you of the new Expensify, this kind of super app chat, send money type thing, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think it was, um, it might actually just be called QuickBooks Money. It might be, which is crazy because I think the bank account's called QuickBooks. I don't know, but it might be called QuickBooks Money. So I think, you know, he's been keen to this idea of payments in an in a app or something. And what also tells me, I always thought he'd be in line for CEO of Intuit, which tells me maybe investors in the board are super happy with Sasan and Sasan must not have any future plans to go anywhere anytime soon mm. with Intuit. But it'll be, a, it'll be a ride and it'll be interesting to see, you know, what somebody with a QuickBooks small business background and accounting background does with PayPal. It could make PayPal better for all the accountants and bookkeepers and the yeah. clients, right? But well, it's kind of David, crazy. thank you for that history lesson. I know, I know, I know. Little, no, it was, it's, it's good. It's good to know. The like dots, the dots. Yeah, I yeah. never, I never realized how connected these companies were. So I appreciate that. Thank you. I think that's a great place to leave it. I know you've got to go. It's Friday afternoon as we record this. So let's go enjoy the weekend. It's cooled down a little bit here in Arizona. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, David, where can they do that? Um, you could go to x.com and find me there now. Uh, I'm not on all the socials, just at David Leary. And I am at Blake T. Oliver. You can email us. We are the accounting podcast at earmark.me. That's the accounting podcast at earmark.me. Thanks, everyone who joined us today in our live stream. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe on YouTube, and you'll get notified when we go live. You can jump in. Yelena is tuning in from Croatia. Great to... Great to have you on the stream, Yelena. I wish I was in Croatia right now. That sounds amazing. Thanks, Giles and David and Adam for commenting. Appreciate having you on. Oh, Giles asked, how do those BDO employees cash out? And that's a good question because they may have BDO stock, but the question is, you know, how are they going to sell it? I mean, I know you can always sell your stock off of exchanges, right? Like, I, yeah, I get it's really hard, but it's not it's easy. Way harder than you think. Ho- hopefully, the firm will have a way to buy back stock from employees. They, they better create that, or it's not really going to work. That's a really good point, <laughs> Yelena. We will see you at QB Connect. Oh, that's awesome. Um, yeah, follow us online and let us know what you think. The Accounting Podcast at earmark.me. Send us your listener mail. Uh, send us your voicemails. We love getting messages from our listeners, and it's been a little while, so. I want to make sure you know about that. And don't forget, you can earn free CPE for listening to this episode and almost every episode of the Accounting Podcast at this point. Just download the free Earmark app on the App Store or on the Google Play Store. Sign up, find us in the channels page, and and take a quick quiz. It's five questions, and you can get your CPE certificate. The CPE is NASBA 
approved. We are a NASBA sponsor of CPE at Earmark, uh, and it works for CMAs. Uh, the tax content works for enrolled agents. You can even use this if you are in the UK as a chartered accountant. Um, CAs and CPAs in Australia and New Zealand, I understand, uh, and Canada can also use NASBA CPE to fulfill their license requirements. So don't miss out on that. I didn't know that that uh, earmark was international now. We are. We don't advertise it, really. We should. But, yeah, it works globally. The The standards or the rules about continuing education are actually looser elsewhere in the world. So um, they accept all of our CPE because it's so rigorous. Oh, that's yeah. good Most, to know. Not ever, and I don't know for sure. you got to check with your local, uh, your local licensing body if they accept NASBA CPE. Often they do because it is verifiable CPE, meaning that you had to take a quiz. You had to verify that you learned the material. And our quizzes are not the easiest. You really got to listen to our episodes to uh, no, pass I, those I can't do the ones for our own episodes. Every time I demo your mark, I never get the quiz right. I, I don't think I've gotten a certificate <laughs> successfully yet. Love CPE it. certificate. Good thing I don't need them for my job, but I, I have not passed the quiz yet. But on that note, I'll try to do some in the car while I drive. Safe travels, and we'll see you all here next week. Bye, everybody. Time for the classifieds. Your accounting clients don't want another shiny app they have to log into. They want to be met where they live in their email inbox. FinDaily does just that. FinDaily automates the communication of key financial data by sending it to your client's inbox daily. Try FinDaily out for free at findaily.io. That's findaily.io. Sick of waiting for same-day ACH transfers that stick to bank hours or paying high fees for credit cards? Stop settling with slow payments and say hello to the future of AR with Forwardly, America's first accessible instant payment solution. With Forwardly, accountants in the USA can receive small business payments instantly, 24-7, 365 days a year, manage cash flow, and simplify accounting with automatic reconciliation. With generous partner rewards, ridiculously low fees, and no monthly charge, you can start thinking Forwardly at Forwardly.com. That's Forwardly.com. Your accounting firm is buzzing with new hires. They're eager, they're promising, they say they know QuickBooks inside and out, but soon you're seeing red flags. Errors keep creeping into the work, and once again, you're in the train correct repeat cycle. Break free with Royal Wise Owls. Alisa Katz Pollock, one of Ignition's 2023 top 50 women in accounting, developed a comprehensive QuickBooks training platform with live webinars and on demand courses enabling your staff to learn QBO while earning CPE. Their bronze, silver, and gold memberships range from core QBO courses and discussion groups to unlimited video library access, monthly coaching sessions, and exclusive discounts. Kickstart your journey towards a QuickBooks savvy workforce today by visiting royalwise.com. That's royalwise.com. Want to get the word out about your newsletter, webinar, party, Facebook group, podcast, ebook, job posting, or that fancy Excel macro you just created? Why not let the listeners of the Cloud Accounting Podcast know by running a classified ad? Hit the show notes for the link to get more info.